0: Outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less traveled into the heart of the Father's affection, slinging freedom all over the place. This is The God Journey. Well, from the jungles of central Arkansas, <laughs> and with a Wi-Fi that may or may not have enough to support this podcast, we're going to try Kyle Rice, Wayne Jacobson, The God Journey, and... Um, We'll see if we get through this one without too many audio problems before we have to junk it. Kyle, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I actually got to fly fish above the clouds today. That was a pretty wild experience. Above the clouds, eh?
0: Is this it cloudy was- there? So down where you are, it's all kind of overcast?
1: Yeah, so down where we're at, we're down in the valley. It was very misty, very foggy, pretty he- oh. pretty heavy, low cloud coverage. I love that. That's and- my favorite. Oh, it was it was beautiful to wake up to and then literally to get to the place that i was fly fishing in the big horns i drive up this switchback section and you get up and i got up above the clouds and it is a bluebird day it is no wind bright sun gorgeous and so i'm literally fishing on the tongue river and i'm looking out over the valley and all i see is the clouds and so literally like this river is dropping down into the clouds and i'm fly fishing above the clouds it was a very very beautiful experience so far this morning
0: well that's the difference between you and me kyle because i would turn right back around and find me a nice stream in the clouds where it's nice and fogged up, man. That's where I would be. That's how I prefer my golf, man. I get a bright sunny day and I just, oh my gosh, I'm collecting skin cancer as I play golf. (laughs) And and when it's a nice cloudy day, that that's the best.
1: Collecting skin cancer on the golf course. Okay. That's an interesting way to look at that. I,
0: I see sun as my enemy, man, because I'm fair-skinned. <laughs> and I mean, I got to slather on so much sunscreen whenever I'm out. And I know clouds are not a protection from that element. So I'm slathering on sunscreen either way. But I like when it's not sunny and I feel I don't feel that heat beating down on my body because we've been in 90 plus degree weather for about the last two weeks, Sarah and me in our little odyssey here around the heartland. So.
1: Ah, Okay. Uh, that's a little toasty. I it's been in the '60s and '70s here in Sheridan, and it's been quite lovely, honestly.
0: Oh my gosh, uh, we've we've done quite the swing. Last week we were Monday at the Abraham Lincoln Library, and okay, got a chance to look at that Statesman and on. Oh, we already did. We already talked about this, right? Being we talked a little bit,
1: yep. Oh, but okay. we didn't yeah. talk about your experience in Graceland, though, because you went from Lincoln to Graceland. Ah, but
0: we, we haven't. Did. You hadn't gone there yet. Yeah, we went there and it it was what we pretty much expected. It was interesting because Sarah and I grew up in that part of it. But there's this overwhelming sense of what a gift that was wasted and cut short. And, you know, and Hmm. then we go to the Clinton library on Friday. So Lincoln, Elvis, Clinton. (laughs) And you have that same sense. There's so much about Clinton's administration that I think was really good, really trying to do some right stuff. And I don't mean the left-leaning stuff. last president that balanced a budget, last president that got Republicans and Democrats to work together on things like welfare. But again, his character overshadows all of that. Probably one of the greatest politicians in our day. And I mean that positively. I don't mean the negative, corrupt kind of politician thing, even though that's also attached to the Clintons. And some of the stuff he did with the foundation, even after being president, is a little shady in terms of political influence and buying some of that. And and yet here was a man with great talent. And that just, it makes me think about my own life and just say, God, whatever gifts you give me, I don't wanna squander them. I wanna find a way to have a meaningful impact in the world and not take my gifts and use them for my own amusement and leave something else darker in the world, so that was an interesting week to take that story arc and uh, end up in the mountains of Arkansas after all that.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting arc. I mean, the, to go to see that. And especially with Clinton, I mean, I, I feel like there was a lot in his lifetime where like in his presidency, where there were some really, really good things, but then all of a sudden they all gets undershadowed by a lot of like you said a lot of the character issues and even to the point where it's i mean there's still memes that are coming out in regards to him and monica and i mean the first thought that went through my head when you said you went to the clinton library was well was there a wax figure figure of monica there as well or you know was she included in that story
0: now they pretty much bury all that at least when you go to the nixon library they talk about watergate it's there do they Okay. Here, there's a scandal, but it's all about the impeachment and how the Republicans were out to get him. Which, in many ways, I mean, seventy million dollars spent on the Whitewater investigation and never turned up anything, except it got him on the sexual track with some of the, the women that had been, sexually harassed by Clinton. Now, I don't know if there's any other way to say it. They weren't, they weren't, willing. I was gonna say willing victims, which is kind of an oxymoron. They weren't willing <laughs> participants for sure. Yeah. And uh, the power differential, which we've talked about before, is kind of huge there. Yeah. It's 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 kind of a tragedy to it, the, mm-hmm. the squandering of the life God gives us. And, you know, none of us are going to be perfect. We're all going to make mistakes and do silly things. But on balance, can we find a way to, to, particularly those that have gifts that are really could be for the enrichment of others? Mm-hmm. Did we do that? Or have we used those gifts just to amuse ourselves? and provide for ourselves and exploit people for our own gain. And I guess that's always a temptation. Best thing you heard this week.
1: Um, I actually heard a, it was a really kind of initially, I thought it was a very cheesy quote. And then I was thinking about it as I was driving up the mountains today. I was like, "Huh, actually I really like that. And the quote is blessed are the curious for their life will be an adventure. And it was just like this, Outdoors bumper sticker that I saw on the back of this person's car, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cheesy, you know, and then I I thought about it as I was driving up the mountain, I was like. "No, that's actually kind of true that the more curious you are that there's just this joy of discovery there's this joy of adventure there's this longing to say okay I oh I guess not even longing I would say a humility. In continuing to open yourself up to the things around you and not saying, Oh, no, I've got this figured out, or I have, this is familiar territory, I there's nothing new for me to find here. But continuing to remain in that curious posture keeps that life of of adventure a part of of who we are, and a part of our journey. And I thought that was really intriguing to me.
0: It is curiosity is a a very much a creative element in it. If we're not curious, Then we're just going along with the standard status quo, whatever comes our way, whatever other people have decided for. I think curiosity channeled well is, yeah, will lead you to adventures you don't need to be on. And some you do. I guess. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I actually had this one this morning. This one was on my phone this morning. Somebody texted me. Okay. said, those who follow Jesus need the strength of character to be misunderstood and continue to be kind and vulnerable. Knowing Hmm. that in their weakness, God's glory unfolds best. Hmm. Strength of care to be misunderstood and yet continue to be kind and vulnerable. Now, I got that on my phone. I read it. Along with it came two pictures of uh, an encounter I'd had with them in their home a number of years ago. So I text back the person. I said, where'd you get that quote? Yeah. And they text back, what quote? What are you talking about? I go, the quote you put before the pictures. No, I just sent you two pictures. And I'm like, what? And I was in a meeting this morning. So I okay. kind of, I just I have to figure that out later. And when I got out, I I looked at the quote and the quote, I day, I called her finally, we talked, but the quote wasn't on her phone because it was from over a year ago. Oh. And she'd sent that to me and I I guess I'd missed it or whatever. And I was asking her where she got the quote from, who said it? Because I thought this is a beautiful quote. I think being misunderstood yeah. and staying kind and vulnerable is a powerful thing and yeah she finally said i don't i don't have any clue who it is so i googled it I, I put the whole thing in quotes googled the thing and it's something i said <laughs> <laughs> it's actually in a description of a podcast from a year ago which <laughs> i write those things and i just i said also I, I encouraged me today from a year ago so that was kind of bizarre
1: Mm, that is hilarious. It um, is
0: hilarious. She found it funny. I found it funny going, I can't believe it. I loved it. I'm thinking, man, I love every it's word a great of that. Well, of course, I wrote it. Of course, I would love every word of it. Why, <laughs> why wouldn't I? But the, to do one that's not me, this one I've been holding for a week or so. We, we had lunch with a, a good friend, Kent, in uh, St. Louis coming through. And he's, it was kind of, we were just talking about what life throws at you and how we all want these structured lives, everything works well. And uh, we're happy when it does. And we're distressed when it's not. And he said, you know what? You just got to wake up every morning and see what washed up on your beach. Mm. And I just, I thought, man, that's talk about staying present. said, we all like a clean beach. We go out there and clean that beach and we all cleaned up, go to bed at night, wake up the next morning. Somebody else's junk is washed up on our beach, but then you just gotta, you gotta clean the beach again. You just look at what's washed up on your beach. And you deal with it. And I I love that because I think that's what life is. Instead of the the old Wayne, I think, boy, anytime something came out of nowhere, it just makes me mad. I'd spend three or four weeks being angry that somebody washed some stuff up on my beach, (laughs) doesn't even get a chance to go, okay, here, it's on my beach. It's mine to deal with. How are we going to deal with this God? And Just accept the reality of what's going on around us instead of being angry that the reality is happening to us or trying to create this perfect life that nothing else washes up on our beach. I guess you put landmines just offshore or whatever. (laughs) I love that. It's been Sarah and I. That's been our journey the last couple of years. Okay, what's washed up on the beach today, even from something from her trauma or whatever? Instead of being discouraged that it's happening, just embrace that it's happening. And seek to embrace God in it. And that's that's been a very encouraging word to me too.
1: I think the challenge for me that goes through my mind, especially just some of the things that I've been navigating over the last couple of weeks and specifically this weekend, I appreciate the idea of navigating what is washed up on our beach. But I'm wondering how we increase the endurance to navigate that cuz sometimes i'm really good with walking through and and navigating and and working through the things that have been washed up on my beach and sometimes i'm not very good at that i can feel when my when my tank is starting to get dry and i can feel when i'm starting to get more irritable when my reserves are getting depleted and it's in those times that man if if there's even a a flake of trash that washes up on my beach i'm not doing very well i it's i i'm not exploding by any means but there's almost this weight and this discouragement or almost a um a dismay of okay there's yet again there's another piece of trash or there's another thing that's sitting on my beach and are the things that are washing up on my beach always going to fall into the category of things that are challenging or things that I have to navigate? Or are there going to be good things that wash up on my beach as a, on a regular basis?
0: You have some good things on your beach, Kyle. You're really Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, family, kids, job. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of good stuff on your beach. A, a place to go fly fish. I'm sure a lot of guys are just going, what, you just take off for a few hours? Can you get to fly fish up in the... What were those mountains again? And the, the big horns. Up. The big horns, that's what it was. It was yeah. it was I mean, lovely. That's, yes. That's all pretty sweet stuff. I think the yes. thing for me is if if uh, what washes up on my beach is an oil spill from a tanker leaking offshore where every wave brings more damage to the, you, you just can't clean it up, man. It just and then you just gotta sit there in the perplexity of it all and just say, Okay, Jesus, how are we doing this, man? And it's but for me, what it helps is I always used to much more so. I get angry when stuff washes up on my beach, particularly if I didn't have anything to do with it, particularly if somebody's just making trouble and it's washing up in my life. And what that does is it helps me no matter, even if it's a lot and even if it keeps coming, it's just, okay, it's just the next thing. What's the next thing I can do and just stay in that mode. And I mean, a year and a half ago, what washed up on my beach was huge and it just kept washing up every few minutes and you know, but just God be with me in it and find my mm-hmm. sustenance in him and not think about, because I think we all tend to do that, is think about, do I have the capacity to handle this? Well, if if I've got it, then he has the capacity to help me navigate it. If it's in my mm-hmm. life, uh, he's not blind to what's coming He's he's more than capable to get me through whatever it is. And because I've had God do that in little ways in my life and in increasing ways of I mean, long before the thing with Sarah happened, I've had a lot of stuff in my life that schooled me. Each one schools me in a different way. And so I had everything I needed when the biggest tragedy that could ever wash up on my beach washed up on my beach. And I had it. It was painful. It was hard. I cried, but there was enough. There was enough to get through it. And I I think that's what we have to trust. You know, when we start measuring our own capabilities, we're like David taking a census of my resources and God's saying, (laughs) what are you doing, dude? Man, you haven't got enough resources for any of this stuff. (laughs) That allows me to have a little bit of a chuckle with God and a little bit of, okay, so we're in this. And Yeah, we've had challenges in our life all along from all kinds of things. And then you have days when nothing washes up on your beach and, hey, just lay on the beach and enjoy it. Don't be standing there looking for something to wash up. Just enjoy. I know I've been in Arkansas too long. I'm talking with a bit of a Southern accent. I don't even know where that's coming from. I'm like, okay, I've been been with these people too long. Time to get on to Texas and have a Texas accent, I guess.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't worry, because everything is bigger in Texas. And so the Texas accent will definitely overtake your Arkansas accent. Okay, okay. well, that's
0: that's what I'm hoping for. Does that answer your question, though? I mean,
1: No, I, I like that, especially the idea of when things don't wash up on your beach don't look for the things to wash up on your beach, you know, being out there with a magnifying glass or, a, or a, a metal detector trying to find things that are on your beach, you know, or
0: staying up all night with a
1: searchlight, looking in
0: the way, <laughs> anything coming my way, man. I, living with uncertainty, I think is really key to this, not the anticipation yeah. of something bad's going to wash up on my beach, but okay. I can, uh, today I can handle what I've got. And tomorrow I'll handle what I've got then. Cause there's grace enough for each day as Jesus said it.
1: And I think that's the interesting, I, aspect of this because i went to a sunday morning gathering this weekend with my family we went back to my parents place and got to spend some time with my brothers and sisters and with the cousins and the nieces and nephews and which was a lot of fun and they decided that they all wanted to go to a sunday morning gathering and so i was like okay that's fine
0: we'll go and i'm so glad you're not calling it church i really am it's a sunday morning (laughs) gathering and yeah that's i like that and in the in the midst
1: of the Sunday morning gathering, the, the person who was teaching decided to talk about hearing from God and knowing, being certain that you're hearing God's voice. And one of his biggest points or one of the big things that he really emphasized was removing all emotion from it. Because emotion can lead you astray and it can take you out and it can completely disconnect you. And my first thought personally was... I really like when father comes in and heals and brings some of that soothing emotion into the process of truth that when I'm, when I'm in those days of discouragement or when I'm feeling like my reserves are getting low, that's an emotional problem. That's not a resource problem. That's not a fact problem. That's, that's a father. I need your, I need your grace. I need your I need your sustainment here in this space because my emotions are fearing, feeling weary. I'm feeling down here. Hmm. And it, to me, it, it felt very much, it, it just broke my heart for this situation and this individual because it's like, well, if if you were to say be in a relationship with somebody that you cared about, but you said, okay, well, hold on, but we got to take out all of emotion out of it from what you're saying to me, Wayne, So that I know that it's you, that I know that it's all fact, and that I know it's you. And part of who you are and part of the enjoyment that I have in our friendship is because you bring emotion and you bring passion and you bring a a variety of different emotions to our relationship and to our experience. And that was, for me, that was something that I just kind of wrestled with as I was thinking about this. As as I was chasing my two toddlers around and as the other cousins were going all over the place and I'm thinking, why on God's green earth are we doing this? I'm reflecting on this thought of, okay, what, what I want Father to take emotion out of he and I's conversation, that not have him engage me on an emotional level, that it's only through the truth and the facts of scripture. And is that the kind of relationship I would want or aspire to?
0: Oh, even with your wife, is that the kind of oh, relationship yeah. you want? Yes, yeah, so it's have no emotion. We're just going to intellectual stuff. And what it, what, it, what it violates is that our intellect can misinform us as much as our emotions. Yeah. Our emotions can misinform us. But oftentimes in, in groups like this, they often tell you to ignore your emotions because they don't want you dealing with real stuff. Emotion, they and they may be based on something false but it does point to what's false. And so handling our emotions fairly is a mental health thing. It's it's a healthy thing to do is to navigate your emotions. And to think that your intellect and your misinterpretation of scripture will never lead you astray is the most bizarre thing. I, I did that when I did the Jesus lens. I said the most dangerous person in the world is the person that doesn't know they're interpreting scripture. They think they only believe what scripture actually says. And everybody I know who does that is misinterpreting scripture to a very high degree, but they use it to control people. And the premise that he started with that statement you made is to be certain of God's voice. I think that's the first mistake. You are never certain. We look yeah. through a glass darkly, hold it lightly. I'm with a group of people this weekend who God told me this, God told me that. And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you sure? What? Yeah, I know when God speaks to me. The people I know who know God best are never that certain. they always hold. I think God's putting this on my heart. Now, looking back over a few years, they can say, okay, God was definitely putting them out. But in the moment, oh, my gosh, its I think this is it. I'm talking to people. I'm reading a scripture. I'm checking my emotions. I'm checking the fruit of it. I'm always checking because certainty is not what God offers us. What he yeah. offers us is that wild relationship that, okay, can't control this. Not certain. And I, I think certainty is the false refuge. Of people who aren't following God. They're trying to make things certain that aren't certain. And so even when he starts with, okay, to have certainty, get all emotion. Okay, you already lost me with your first <laughs> word. Because yeah. I love people that hold God's voice with humility and lightness.
1: And that's, I love when you, because literally the, the exact same verse went through my mind of like, okay, hold on a second. But if we see through a, a glass dimly, then where's the certainty coming from? Like, if, if you have a certain, like, did you get some kind of biblical Windex that you were able to clean that glass off a lot better, you know? Like, no, that's not the case. Like, that, there's this joy in, and he went on to say that there's a lot, that if there's any kind of doubt or confusion, then it's definitely the enemy. For me, it's like, well, no, there's. No matter what relationship I'm in, there's sometimes there's lack of clarity or there's some doubt. And so I hold it and I, and I like, I'm curious about it. And I say, okay, well, maybe I'm misinterpreting that. Maybe I heard it wrong. Maybe they're coming from a different thing that I'm not aware of yet. Like, I don't know. yeah, You know? And so it just, it was such a, it was very rigid. It was very, very rigid. And there was not. Like you said, there was this idea that, well, yes, my knowledge of scripture and theology will will make sure that I'm hearing God's voice clearly.
0: Yeah, I would shake my head a whole lot and probably get up and walk out because the, the whole idea that a room of people are being taught something this absurd feels like abuse to me. That, that's where I would sit there. I would sit there and say, oh, my gosh, somebody needs to say something. Because certainty, people who are certain about what God told them to do are usually justifying something they want to do that has nothing to do with God. But they, yeah. And they can find the four biblical texts they need, proof text to pull out of context to say, well, Scripture says this, and I'm clearly only following Scripture, and go, okay, you have no idea. You have no idea who this God is. Yeah. Let me read you a C.S. Lewis quote. I'll see if you agree with okay. this. I like C.S. Okay. Lewis pretty much. I hate this quote, but you can love it. He said, this is C.S. Lewis. He says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want you to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it or to have it out. But to have it out, hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I'll give you a new self instead. In fact, I'll give you myself. My own shall become yours. Now, I know I read that with pejorative angst in my head, but... (laughs) Because I have it. I think this kills people's spiritual journey, and I'm a C.S. Lewis fan, so he can have a bad day, and I I don't know what he's reacting to here, because I didn't get this in context. I just had this quote sent to me, but it's so black and white. God wants all of you or none of you. He's not willing to take a piece apart. And I hear people talk about it all the time. I met a man years ago in England that said he wasn't a follower of Christ, and I asked him why. He said, because I don't totally trust him. And I said, mm. do you think I do? He goes, well, you say you do. I said, I don't say I do. I trust him, and then I don't trust him. There's things in my life that happen to prove I don't. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed this weekend hanging around here is how much And I'm going to use worship in finger quotes, and I know people in the audio can't see the finger quotes. Worship, which has come to mean a praise, adoration, song service. To -hmm. me, that's not worship. Worship is how we live our life under Father's love. That, to me, how our life is lived is the worship that God desires. So I don't call that worship. But I notice how much of our worship, quote unquote, is aspirational. Mm -hmm. We're saying things to God, like, I love you with my whole heart. And I will commit all my everything to you. Kind of like along this quote right here, which because God's not content with partial crud. And so we're praying. And even in this group, there was prayers like, oh, God, may whatever they're praying about, may this never happen again. And you're sitting there going, okay, that's going to happen like a 5 million more times before you die. So you can pray that no, it'll never happen. This temptation will never happen again. This conflict will never happen again. This husband and wife will always see things exactly the same way. And I'm sitting there going, okay, this is an aspirational prayer. I hope this could be true. (laughs) But it's not, it's not grounded in anything that's real, but it's an old prayer form that when we declare this thing we want God has to do it I remember being in a prayer group years ago where somebody we we're in the the town of the original governor's house in California when it was still a when it was still its own territory or whatever it was hmm. and they were there feeling like God had given this place and they prayed that may one more that not one more homosexual act will occur in America ever in California ever again and I'm sitting so there going this is the stupidest prayer I've ever heard And it didn't work. It didn't happen. So, I mean, they declare. And all these declarations that are completely aspirational Hmm. and that there's no ability to hold what's real. And when our aspirations become real, when we think they're real. Then what is the disillusionment that comes when the thing we're declaring or the thing we're hoping for, or I'm saying, God, I commit, I I totally trust you. Then the next day, I'm caught up in anxiety or despair or whatever. How does that person have to feel? And what they usually feel is, well, I gave it all to Jesus last night, and then I took it back the next day. And so I'm a horrible person because we really confuse our aspirations with our reality. And what I've been exploring with a few people around, we haven't had chance in the meetings to but I've explored with a few people on individual conversations is the difference between my aspirations and my capabilities. Hmm. Yes, I desire to trust God with all my heart. That's true. You can have that aspiration. Then the capability is, I'm actually doing that today. Do I have the capability to trust him with everything? I don't. Yeah. Things creep in that drive me off track or cause despair or whatever. And so, so I'm not. And I I'm, so I've been really thinking through how to live in the tension of that mm. to have an ass and I don't mean fantasy some of that prayer stuff would just fantasy I wouldn't even call those aspirations yeah but the aspiration to trust to be fully loved to surrender my whole life to him those are wonderful aspirations but then have the integrity to step back and say but are they real mm. is that real in my heart do I have the capability to live that aspiration out. And to me, that's growth. That's the space, the yeah. gap between my aspiration and my reality if I can talk about them both in real terms and not pretend my aspiration my apt aspirations are my reality. Don't pretend that. They're not. And so when you live beneath them, you don't have to bash on yourself and go down the shame condemnation road just say, "Okay, my capabilities are different than my aspirations." How many times confession repentance for us was you promise God, you'll never do it again. I'll never yell at my wife again. I'll never do this again. And then you end up doing it because, and then it's like, I'm such a horrible sinner. Cause now I need to know better. And I'm thinking if we could draw this distinction between our aspirations and our capabilities, we could live a more helpful, healthy journey in the life of Jesus. What do you think about that?
1: Ooh, I really like the idea between the aspirations versus our capacity. I I think, honestly, when you're talking about some of those prayers, I'm thinking back to our conversation that we had last week, though, about people praying for these, basically praying for these ideas or these constructs that they have created to come to fruition. And God's like, "Uh, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer graciously because that's a disaster like you don't you don't want me answering that prayer you really don't and i think make my prison more comfortable that yes make my prison more comfortable exactly
0: which we never say it that way but that's actually what we're praying for yeah
1: and that's uh, even the idea of praying that oh god please don't let so and so like allow there to be never never to be conflict in this marriage again well as somebody who is currently navigating some tension and conflict in my marriage i know that is an invitation for me to move closer to my wife and to move closer to a wholehearted life that there's th- even though like there's a disconnect there's a disagreement here that's okay because that means jess and i are sorting out what this means for us to move forward what does that look yeah. like as a couple to move into a more wholehearted space so if there's never any conflict my initial thought would be well if they answered that question one person is sacrificing themselves for the sake of the other's comfort. There's, there's not perfect unity there. right? Because even in, even in the fact that Father created diversity intentionally, and so to be in relationship and to be able to appreciate that diversity and to be able to appreciate the differences in opinion and differences of worldview, that's so incredibly powerful. And so, like even today, before we were started recording this, I started talking with you a little bit about okay, what is within my capacity? Like, do Jess and I are really wanting to be able to move into a more wholehearted space in this part of our conversation in our life. And yet, what does that look like? How do what am I capable of doing? And and what is that, where does father step into that? Where does his, where does his grace fill in the gap between what my capacity is and where his invitation is what does that even look like
0: i think that's the beautiful tension it yeah. by aspirations i'm not talking about our fantasy prayers at all yes. i know i use some of yeah. that in there genuine aspirations i want to live fully in christ i want to be wholehearted i want to all that and then be able to say okay that's really true i am mm-hmm. fully devoted to jesus in the aspiration of my heart in the reality of where flesh and spirit merge in my life and the untangling that we talked about for the last year and a half, I, I still need God to untangle stuff so that I can actually live to that aspiration. And so to hold that intention and to invite God into my lack of capability right now, so can God give me resources and supernatural giftings That allow me to live beyond my capability in a tight circumstance. Absolutely, he has that grace. And but we don't order it up when we want it. Because sometimes, like you said, the tension of living to my capability beneath my aspiration is I lean into God so that He does more entangling. So to give the grace to compensate for it isn't the agenda today. God's saying, No, no, no. I want to invite you to live in the tension of my actions don't yet arise to my aspirations, but that just creates the passion for me to let Jesus do more untangling. So what is it about your love, God? I don't know that if I knew it, you would untangle more of this. My capabilities would come closer to my aspirations. But even Paul talks about flesh warring against the spirit. He kind of indicates that's a lifetime. In this life, you think you're going to get to completion in this life? It's kind of like certainty about what God says. It's yeah. you know, Why even think about it? Because we're going to have this ongoing battle. And if we could relax in the battle, if people would not condemn themselves when i'm in a situation and i'm not trusting well and instead of oh i just got it in my head but i don't have it in my heart and all that complaining we do if we just said okay this is part of the journey hmm. i'm i'm jesus bringing these two realities closer together the reality of my wholesome aspirations and the reality of my capabilities particularly if you've got trauma like sarah's had that need to be untangled that it there's a gap here and it's going to take a while to move maybe your whole lifetime to just move closer he's okay with that process we're the ones that aren't okay that's why this quote like from c.s lewis it's all or nothing man you got to completely trust or god doesn't i'm going oh my gosh god takes us as weak as we are coming in the door saying i can work with this i can walk you through what you need to be walked through and a God that needs our perfection. I heard somebody say this week, and it's the kind of thing that gets my ire up, Friday morning, 6 a.m. breakfast, somebody say, only the pure in heart can see God. We need to have a pure heart to see God. And I just said, when will that ever happen? And how are you <laughs> going to be pure of heart without seeing God? Doesn't seeing God come before the pure of heart thing? And you could have said, oh, the moon is made of chocolate sauce, because they were like, huh? That's not, not ever <laughs> contemplated that. Yeah, Because being pure of heart is such a great thing. I want a pure heart. Well, aspirationally, your heart can be pure. And in Mm -hmm. reality, your heart's still a bit disconnected and disjointed, all of us. And moving more of our heart in line with our aspirations, that's growth, that's spiritual growth, and that's glorious. But judging ourselves, because I'm saying what I'm not living and I feel like a hypocrite, I think that's where we haven't had a good handle. I know I grew up with, it was all aspirational, all of our talk and all of our living was well beneath our aspirations. So you'd have to hide it or pretend you're better than you are or be angry at God that he hasn't fixed it or angry at yourself that you haven't fixed it enough for him because everything is in your will, of course. You chose it, now you're not following through. That kind of religious performance talk is the reason we started the God journey because that stuff isn't helpful. We've said this so many times. If be holy as I am holy is a command, it's the most impossible command ever given to humans. If it's an invitation to a journey, be holy, be wholehearted as I am wholehearted, then that's a beautiful invitation on a lifetime journey whose end I may never reach until the day Mm. of his appearing. But it's a worthy journey to go further down that road tomorrow than I am today. And further the next. And look back over time and going, oh, yeah, I see what he's doing. I know it's taking longer than I want. Doesn't seem to take longer than he wants. He doesn't seem to be all that nervous about (laughs) the speed at which we access perfection.
1: Honestly, that makes me think of a conversation that I got into with somebody this weekend that I care about. And we were dialoguing about, okay, what is the point of going to the Sunday morning gathering? all right like what? Why are we going? You know, why are we going here? What What's the point of going? In? And and there was some feedback about well, you know, it's it's a little bit chaotic when you're going with all the kids, you know, because there's you know, ten under ten, and so that gets a little wild. Yeah, Mike wants to my, drop
0: that on the on the children's team staff. At the yeah, exactly, we're bringing yeah. ten kids and six adults. Good luck.
1: <laughs> Have fun.
0: <laughs>
1: and I I thought about that, and my feedback was I would. Rather be setting good memories, creating great memories with my daughters and with my nieces and nephews, spending time just pouring into their lives, than teaching them to sit in a stunning morning gathering and to sit quietly and to listen to somebody teach and to and this person, their feedback was: Well, you know, that's teaching them a standard. That's teaching them a set a, a set of goals, some expectations. And my thought back was, would I rather create the expectation of delighting in time with their family, with their extended family, and spending time in joy filled relationship, or would I rather set the the standard of we're going to sit in this dry, borderline college professorship seminary experience as a little kid? And do your best to keep your your energy under check. And then you're going to go out and have fun and you're going to go and play somewhere else. But you have to endure this hour, hour and a half gathering experience in, in order to be able to go and do relationship and play and have fun with your friends.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually having to teach you how not to act as bored as you are. So yes. I'm actually teaching you under the guise of a standard, shut up sit down be quiet and learn to be bored for an hour and a half and that's some kind of valuable standard that will serve you well in the rest of your life <laughs> That's yes. the absurd thing i remember that i remember sitting in those hard pews and dropping a lifesaver out of your pocket and it rolls all the way down to the front of the sanctuary and everybody here <laughs> everybody's looking around and mom gives you that one and you later how is that valuable how, how is that in any way valuable but that that was the old idea. It amazes me yeah. that some of these old ideas still hang on, that there's still places yeah. that say, yes, we are going to have a wonderful experience as a family. Because the, the dream of we're all sitting in the same church service, the whole extended family this is a beautiful thing. For maybe you, but not for those children, certainly. And no. for par- parents like you that say, my gosh, we could be have a real and we could even bring Jesus into a real positive extended family experience that's engaging with kids. If you're going to be in religion your whole life, you need to learn how not to act bored when you are. That's a valuable <laughs> tool if you're going to hang out in religion for the rest of your life. I did it by counting tiles in the ceiling, yeah. adding up the numbers on the hymn board or whatever.
1: The church that I grew up going to, they had 90, they had knotty pine ceiling paneling, um, yeah. paneling, yeah. And so I would just lay there and co- yeah. count the knots in the boards.
0: <laughs> uh, we should do a podcast sometime and let people, uh, people can do it right here, right? the What did you do to stay on board while you were, or at least not on board, but how to stay out of trouble from your parents who wanted you pretend you weren't bored?
1: Well, here's the thing is said individual that is having this conversation about making sure that you're able to stay present and again aspiration so they can sit in church they can be diligent they can be connected to the service they literally brought a bag of toys that they would keep the kids distracted so that they're not causing a disruption in the service i'm like okay where this there's a major disconnect going on here <laughs> like this and and I don't know if that's a, a a bridge that I want to create. I don't know if I want to go there. I don't want know if I want to train my daughters or teach my daughters to be able to go through that experience and not be bored out of their minds.
0: Oh well, I think when you bring the coloring book or the toy, you're actually saying, "Okay, it is going to be boring, but here's something you can do to make it better for you." Now I actually like yes. that better than sit there, don't move a muscle. But I think when we get confused between our aspirations and our reality or a kid my my aspiration for my kid versus the reality of their capability that comes right down to the same thing and then yeah. i'm i'm pushing them to live to an aspiration or a memory i want to create for me instead of being realistic about the capability and their age and whether this is going to be valuable for them yes and i i think if we have that kind of conversation with people and in our own lives appreciate My aspirations are better than my actions and God's got time to keep untangling me so that I can live more in the reality of the better aspirations of my heart. And that to me, that's a living love journey. I would say the last 30 years, I live much closer to my aspirations than I used to. Now I may have looked better back then because I pretended really well, but now in the reality of it and and I can be with people, who have a gap between their aspiration, because we all do, just how big yes, that gap is. absolutely. And it's got to start as a big gap. It can't start as a narrow gap. And it's just growth and change and tenderness and a God journey and life and love that moves you closer to what he wants to do. It. Thank you for traveling with us today on The God Journey. You can join this conversation by visiting thegodjourney.com.